0: like will i have even will i even have time for this uh Mm. and i said i don't give a fuck i need to do something else
1: (laughs) i like that we were all like i what are you doing joseph
2: (laughs) focus on yourself okay
1: you're delicately adjusting your bangs
2: i was just like oh it's all springy and like (laughs) working
0: we know which camera you're looking at
1: and i should warn you that one of us always
3: tells the truth and one of us always lies no running in the hallway i'm sorry dave i'm afraid i can't do
0: Hello and welcome to Fans Labyrinth, the podcast where we talk about your favorite indie movies and genre flicks. My name is Des, and these are my co-hosts Lydia and Joseph.
2: Hey,
1: hello. Hi. I feel like like the other two people on this podcast have a much nicer speaking voice than I do. Mm.
0: I I've been blessed with the opportunity to do some like minor voice acting, and so I'm not going to say I'm I'm knowledgeable or trained or anything, but I've I've gotten to like live in that brain for a little while.
1: I feel like I have a very grating voice with my
2: I don't think so. I feel like the exact opposite when I listen to the podcast, I'm always like people are turning it off the second I start talking and hear (laughs) the screeching, (laughs) gay voice that they're just like I cannot stand. And then Lydia's screechy voice. And then Lydia's all funny and nice to listen to
1: (laughs) with my whiskey and cigarettes vocal fry.
2: People like that shit.
1: My sweet, sweet lisp.
0: You guys are way too hard on yourselves. I think you've both got great voices.
1: I do have a lisp. I have an actual lisp. I have this. I can't. I got to stop saying the word. It's just cruel. Every time they say lisp, it lisp. Yeah, it's just cruel (laughs) that they made the word for the speech impediment impossible to say without aggressive use of your speech impediment.
0: So we've been watching things, right?
1: Oh, yeah. Did you say oh, wow. no? Joseph,
0: with a hard nope. <laughs> y- you, you you described to us a very well. As I just um, said,
1: I,
2: I I failed to watch two movies yesterday, so that was fun.
0: But you failed to do so in. I,
2: it's virtual D- reality. D- oh yeah. D- oh, I, didn't, I was You're like skipping what are you over about? the most interesting part. <laughs> I think I meant like in like five minutes. I'm like, okay. Do you want to say how record time I dropped movies? Like what? <laughs>
1: I like that you told us this. The oh two my god! Who I just don't didn't use understand. VR. Remember, yeah. like, understood the assignment.
0: <laughs> this is your circus.
2: Well, I'm not, but I'm not. Okay, I'm not going to talk about those movies because I, I did drop them. But I, I can they, start. They I were crap. Because I do have a fun, <laughs> punchy Mimi in the in the time. Even though this will be posted way late anyway, so it'll be completely out yeah, of the zeitgeist. Co-
1: this is going to come out like four months later.
2: Uh, you see this Mimi? Mimi,
1: yes. Okay. uh
2: Because I just watched the. Soon to be, if not already now, number one Netflix show of all time. Oh God, Squid Game, Sex Life, Sex Life, <laughs> Squid uh, sex Game, Sex Education. You know which? Which one of the sex ones is? Yeah,
0: which dating show? Uh, um, so I've been hearing a lot about this movie or this yeah. show.
2: So it's a Korean show.
1: I was about okay. to say I just talked about this with a bunch of people the other day. It was with you. I talked about yeah. it with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, just multiple. It's so just funny. Forgot.
2: Yeah, it's so funny because I had finished this before our last recording, but I thought the show was so unworthy of attention that I didn't mention it <gasps> yeah. last. Wow. Not because I actually really enjoyed it, but I just it's <laughs> such a me show that I'm like obviously I'm going to enjoy it. I like all these types of. It's a it's a death game reality show where people die because they're. You know, signed up to join a crazy death game or whatever, and yeah, it's like I love this. I loved *Alice in Borderland*. I, you know, *Hunger Games*. There's like 50 million Battle shows Royale. with this premise at this point. Yeah, yeah. *Guns Akimbo*. Yeah, basically, yeah, *Fortnite* the uh, <laughs> the the game uh, or the show.
1: Wait, it was
2: Fortnite. The game is
1: about yeah, that. Yeah, Fortnite. The
2: game. Whoa, <laughs> I was about to well, lose Fortnite, my
1: mind. I was like, "We're letting like fucking eleven-year-olds play this?"
2: No, but it is. <laughs> I mean, Fortnite is about hundred people are thrown into an arena. One one wins. That's I'm here it's, for it's, Fortnite. It's battle. The book. It's,
1: welcome. It's welcome to the. It's literally dome. called battle
2: royale. The yeah. Fortnite's um, game mode is called battle royale. So it's like they obviously See, know what's I, what's up.
0: Uh, I was. I'm not here for Fortnite, the show, or the movie, or the the game. But I really liked Fortnite, the book.
1: Oh my god, stop! Yeah,
0: the novelization. Oh my god, <laughs>
1: this couldn't sound like more of an asshole right now. There is like there is like five Five Nights at Freddy's
2: books. I remember shelving them when I worked. Wait, don't fucking say that to me. That can't don't be real.
1: That's a lie. How dystopia. is that not real? Shut up.
0: Doesn't that make that seems
1: absolutely so obvious, not? But yeah. Absolutely not. It took them, like, they've been wasting away, like, a decade trying to make it into a movie. And they got, like, five novelizations. Fuck off.
2: Squid Game. Game. So, the big, okay, what I love about this is that there was a review. This is what killed me. This review was, like, move aside, you know, those trash Hunger Games and Battle Royale. (laughs) Uh, This one has characters. This one has themes. This one has purpose. And I'm, like, all right. I mean, if those other ones don't, like, I mean, if those other ones don't have those things, this one doesn't have those things. Like, it's so silly to be like, this one, this one is the be-all, end-all. It truly has finally made real characters.
0: This like, murder show has yeah. more murder victims than the last one. I mean,
2: things, I, <laughs> I did enjoy the storyline of this. And the themes, it is it is very explicitly anti-capitalist, but so is Hunger Games. So it's like, you know.
0: I th- All of them
2: are. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, but this one, okay, one of the things I really like about it is so four hundred and something players it begins with in the tutorial. Yeah. And yeah, for sure. Um, and it's like four sixty <laughs> something. Plays it. But so they are they do Plays these em. they do this like mini game before they get in to the to the game show sort of thing.
1: Wait, sorry, you're volunteering to essentially kill yourself for money yeah. and like you have to do like a quiz to be able to fucking qualify.
0: Yeah, there's like yeah, an intelligence uh, like, bar you have to pass. Uh, it's yeah,
1: basically.
3: But the, yeah, it's so, horseshit.
1: So they, <laughs> that many people volunteering?
2: Yeah. So basically, they say like you can basically it's a, it's a, you're gonna make a lot of money. But they get into the game. They uh, this is spoilers. So for the first episode, so mm, it, it, you might enjoy seeing the first big twist. But basically, a lot of die, people die right away in the first game, and then everyone else who's left is asked. Now that you've seen how it works, even though fucking 200 people died. So, like, okay. Fuck those 200 people. Yeah. But now that you see how it works, like, do you want to continue? And everyone at first is like, fuck, no, we're out of here. You kidnapped us. This is terrible. Right. And then they go to the voting and it's like crazy close. So it's like, oh, wow. You know, so you see that people think and why do they want to do this? And the line that the, the show quotes a bunch is like, isn't the real world just as bad? As this game, and like that thing, and a lot of people's feelings towards the show is interesting. They say it's like it's actually more brutal to watch the characters' lives outside the game than the characters' lives inside the game.
0: That is a pretty good sell for this type of thing. It's a bit nihilistic. Like I, I, yeah. I can't imagine it's fun to, like at least the Hunger Hunger Games. Like there's like a character to be invested in, and there's like an end goal. Is this one at oh, all? Oh yeah,
2: lots of good characters in this one. Okay. Stuff. I think the main character actors is very charming and the side characters have enough interest and they do the really nice thing. I mean, look at this. Alice in Borderland, which I think is one of the worst examples of this type of show, also had backstories to all the characters and does the same thing. So it's like, I just think the kind of review that's like, this is the breakthrough. They finally figured it out. And like, people are just <laughs> bored during COVID or something. I don't know what it is, but yeah. like, this is the same as all these other shows and
1: no, they're just enjoyable. After- with critics, there's always got to be one that they can be like, oh, I'm know, yeah. clearly smarter than you because I realize how yeah. much more elevated this is, even though it's the same schlock that they've been peddling for the last fucking decade.
0: This this Saw movie is the smartest of all the Saw movies.
1: <laughs> why is it always, it why do we take. always pick on Saw?
0: Well, I can think of roughly seven reasons.
1: <laughs> there's I, there, I think there's more than seven of them now. Um oh, fuck me. Because there's the Jigsaw movie it. and there's Spiral from the Book of Saw. Yo, so, like, I, there's, oh, you're we, right. There's I at least it. nine.
2: We want to watch okay. Spiral, so...
1: But I will yeah. die I on did. the hill that... I've said this to Joseph so many times. I will die on the hill that the mm-hmm. first Saw movie is a psychological thriller, not a torture porn horror movie. The rest mm-hmm. of the movies went that route. But if you're going to say that Seven is a psychological thriller... Then the first Saw movie has to be a psychological thriller because it has the same volume of gore in it and it has borderline the same storyline.
0: I think the first one's very watchable. It's a good
1: movie. It's a a solidly good movie. And it came out in the early 2000s, right around the same time that like Seven and The Bone Collector and Taking Lives and Along Came a Spider, Kiss the Girls, all those other similar same kind of early 2000s psychological thrillers were coming out.
0: Yeah. First one gets a pass. I guess I'll have eight reasons then. Yeah. Uh, if you count the weird offshoots.
2: Yeah. I, I, think so you have I, to. I just want to say, I really enjoyed SWID game. I'm not sure why I felt so much like it's not worth talking about, but I, I really do think it just came down to it's, it's so enjoyable and bingeable that like, mm-hmm. I was just like, I'm just watching this cause I enjoy it. I don't think I have that much to say about it in the sense that I don't have that much different than if we were talking about hunger games or battle Royale yeah. or, or Alice in Borderland, which I did talk about on this very podcast. I'm just like it's it's similar. And but I did enjoy Alls in Borderlands. So like let's, you know, it is it is what it is. Crazy that this Korean show though is now becoming the number 1 show of all time on Netflix. I don't think an, any foreign show has even broke like their top 10 before. Um except some people um, have said maybe Lup- Lupin, which is also very new.
0: There was a there was a German show that was up there for oh, a Oh, what about while dark? Yeah, dark. dark? Yeah, Dark. I don't think
2: it was ever like in their top like as in like their top 10 of all time.
0: Think, I don't think it penetrated the zeitgeist. I just mean like I think it was like one of the better Netflix mm. foreign ones that like actually oh, yeah. like landed here pretty well in yeah. Canada.
1: Canada.
0: I I love that one. I loved Dark. Yeah, Dark's great. Yeah. Never finished it, but I loved every minute of it.
2: <laughs> I found that. the third season very hard to finish, but over, it, overall as a show, it's it's very well crafted.
1: Hmm. Weren't you watching it here at one point? It was before I started watching it. I feel like you watched it at my apartment.
2: Yeah, I, was, I watched yeah a couple episodes while you were like doing other stuff.
1: <laughs> no, because <laughs> I'd nice never seen it before, stuff. so that's like how I realized I wanted to watch it because he mm-hmm. I caught mm-hmm. like the tail end of an episode here.
2: I watched a whole documentary about the history of uh, Canadian superheroes too at Lydia's place.
0: That's an awesome
2: <laughs> one. You did. Yeah. We did. So we're, we we watched a lot there. of
1: weird stuff at my apartment. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, that makes it sound like we watched porn. That's not just no, like no, really no, random no. shit.
0: No judgment. But yeah, uh,
2: Lydia, did you want to <laughs> jump in with something?
1: Yeah. So I also watched something on Netflix. Um, I watched the new Jake Gyllenhaal movie, The Guilty, which is Ooh. a remake of a Danish film.
2: I just want to jump in with this one. My mom texted me about that show is same like exact text that you texted me. She's like, it's Jake Gyllenhaal. And I was like, it's a...
0: I don't know how I feel about it. You know, it's
1: interesting. And I'm is, is like,
0: he being typecast as a social uh, like a like a sociopath these days. He's not.
1: He's not really a sociopath in this one. Oh, OK. Like he's kind of the good guy. Um, he's not like a good guy, but in the context of like <laughs> the main story that you're following, he's trying to do good. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. So he's not yeah. he's not like an intentionally bad person. He's just flawed. Yeah, I mean, so it's a remake of a Danish film, which I'm, you know, kind of exhausted with America remaking foreign films for American mm. audiences because they usually end Old up being, guy. you know, not so great. A lot of the time they just don't translate well. This one, I think, was pretty good. It was better than the Halle Berry movie, The Call, which is like a super similar premise. But basically, Jake Gyllenhaal is a recently demoted police officer. And you can tell there's something going on in the background of his life related to why he was demoted. Um, And he ends up working for the LAPD Communications Center. So he's a 911 dispatcher. And he hates it. And he gets a call that sounds like a woman has been I remember the abducted for this now. Yeah. or or taken or something. But she's she's in a precarious situation and she's calling for assistance and can't really like communicate well because the person that she's with can't know that she's on the phone. And, and basically, this whole thing is like this really high tension journey of him trying to get assistance to this woman who's been Mm -hmm. through something really horrific and we can't quite tell what it is i will 100 percent say that like probably a good idea for people to look up content or trigger warnings because there are a couple sensitive subjects that come up but i i do find it i like the idea of sort of single character focused film where you're really only interacting with one person in a room. I think Searching did it really, really well, where they do it through the lens of, like, the internet and a computer. Um, But you're really only physically interacting with one character the whole time. And this is really similar. Most of the other characters he interacts with are over the phone. It's an unnecessarily stacked cast for, given the fact that you pretty much only see Jake Gyllenhaal's face, like you see two other people, full in the face. Oh, is there like
0: a lot of like uh, voices over phone calls of like yeah. people who we'd recognize? Oh, yeah, cool. it's
1: either it's either him answering nine one one calls um or him calling out to like uh the highway patrol or the LAPD or fire or whatever all the dispatchers. Um, yeah it's like a cool concept. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's That's really a creative neat.
0: way to work around um, like COVID, COVID filming issues too.
1: It was filmed in eleven days during COVID.
0: Yeah, and they're just like, "Hey, Bill Murray, uh, mm. say these fifteen words." Okay, <laughs> it perfect. was We're uh, good.
1: so some of the some of the voice actors that you hear are like uh, Bill Burr in in one right. scene, <laughs> Paul Dano in one scene, okay. Riley Keough is one of the characters.
0: Bill Burr sounds like he'd be one of those like kind of like dopey but agreeable cops.
1: Mm. He was kind. He was I, in I Staten Island, not, right? He was yeah, of King of Staten that, Island. Yeah, he was pretty good in that. I mean, he was just playing himself, I think, in that movie. <laughs> um, just like, you know, yeah. a gruff asshole. He <laughs> was like moderately funny, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a pretty good movie. Like, I'm not gonna say it's amazing. I'm sure the Danish version is is even better, but I I will say that it's it's really well paced um jake gyllenhaal is solidly good in it like he is in pretty much everything else and and it's i don't know it's gripping has some intense moments it has some really uncomfortable moments but for the most part it's like very entertaining it's very watchable
3: nice
0: at this point i'm always
1: afraid oh with netflix originals because they're wildly inconsistent i agree with you
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's a great point but i was gonna say i'm always afraid to watch a new jake gyllenhaal thing because after nightcrawler i I can't unsee him as, Mm. like, gaunt nightmare man. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I think um, he did such a great job in that movie. I can't trust him anymore.
1: That's fair. I just, I love him in everything. Like, almost everything I've seen him in, I've just adored. I mean, he was amazing in Oaksha, Just fucking unhinged and hilarious in that movie. He's really he's he's good in this, but he's good in this in the same way that he's good in End of Watch where I'm like, yeah, I mean it's a cop movie. It's it's a really interesting premise. I like one room, one person and you're only interacting through like a phone medium mm-hmm. or something. I find that really interesting. But I do think Searching probably did it better. Um and John Cho was like a little bit more engaging in that environment than I think Jake Gyllenhaal was. I I do think he plays better off people rather than just sort of alone. That's fair. But I think for something that was filmed like over a two week period during COVID, and like clearly all of the voice actors ADR'd their shit in like way down the line, and Jake Gyllenhaal is pretty much just interacting fucking alone the whole time, it's mm. it's very impressively done.
0: That's really cool. I like that. I, I like that as an exercise. Yeah. Uh, even though like the cop dramas don't really do anything for me.
1: The, the more interesting part of that to me, I mean, that's interesting on its own, like that you're really seeing a character study of this one dude and you know that the actor is, is pretty much just like interacting by himself uh, and like that's impressive. Uh, but on top of that, during filming, the director was exposed to somebody who tested positive for COVID. So he filmed the whole thing in like the back of a van with monitors isolated and alone <gasps> um so that he <laughs> wouldn't risk exposing anyone else
0: jesus
1: on the production and that's how this movie was was made and and it ended up being like a surprisingly good movie that really could have ended up being like fucking garbage
0: i was going to say do you really want your last movie to be a direct to netflix garbage that's a like yeah. that's a that's a rough that's a rough place to be put in i don't know if i would be uh committed enough to be doing anything out of the back of a van for Jake Gyllenhaal
1: I think it's an interesting challenge you know like I I think I think a lot of aspects of this movie presented an interesting challenge um and -hmm. they did a very good job with it I can't imagine if they had had like bigger budget or more time to film or not a pandemic and the risk of like you know fucking infecting people i i don't Mm -hmm. see this improving i don't see the movie getting any better with those things because i think it just would have gotten more bogged down more complicated
0: oh yeah bloated
1: so i think i think this could have turned out really really badly but i think there is no situation where they could have given them more and it would have turned out any better than it did
3: Mm
0: -hmm. Hmm. i'm starting to realize now that i can't that, I, that the same way I feel about Jake Gyllenhaal because of Nightcrawler, I feel about uh, Jeff Bridges because of The uh, the Big Lebowski. Everything I mm, see him in, he's just the dude. Yeah. Mm. That's, that's I guess, my point of comparison.
1: Yeah. Different, but I get Still, it. Still.
0: Jeff Bridges is such a babe.
1: Yeah. Oh, my God. I Look, Jake what? Gyllenhaal played a psycho in Nightcrawler, but Jake Gyllenhaal can also get it.
0: Yeah. What if he's a psycho in the sheets?
1: Oh, my God. Depends on what kind your,
2: uh,
0: your rewatch for
2: the <laughs> for the episode.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, you'll have some fun re- uh, editing this afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> How much of what Death says can I snip out? Oh my god!
1: <laughs> no, what we say is the funny part. He can't cut oh. anything. Just that um, to I... <laughs> He just looks um, so done with our shit.
2: I I was literally just looking at my audacity waves, but sure.
0: It's it's been a, it's been a long week, y'all. And it's only Monday. Sure. You guys are going to have to carry me through this week because I really didn't watch much. Uh, right. I had a bit of a... I'm a student. <laughs> uh, online delivery courses is like a fucking circus every single day. I have no nothing to recommend, no redeeming qualities to it, but <laughs> it eats up enough of my time that I was too busy. Uh, I did watch some stuff, um, but I'm going to try to partition it out a little bit better uh I watched <laughs> uh roughly half of
1: roughly half.
0: Oh fuck, what was it? I I actually forgot the name of the movie cuz I I it really just passed in in to the front of my head and then right out the back. Um The Dead Don't Die or something like that. It's like Oh, a, with
1: Adam Driver.
0: Yeah. Oh I, yeah. Uh, Chloe
1: Sevigny.
2: I never yeah, saw it but uh, yeah, I, I know the poster.
0: Bill Murray's in it too. I think that's why he's fresh in my mind. Mm. Um I could not get through it. It's not <laughs> fair. Enough. I I feel bad if anyone were to be listening and enjoyed it. Uh, it's all yours. I could not. I got through about half before I was like, "It's all yours." I don't know. Like you can have like, half my copy. Yeah, exactly. You can have the half I didn't finish. You can eat the rest of my meal. I don't know. It was like it was like the weirdest slow burn, anti humor again with like a severely stacked cast. Um, yeah. not like you know. Not necessarily, like, a ton of A-listers, but, like, lots of recognizable faces and voices. Fucking Iggy Pop is in there uh, in, yeah. like, the first 30 minutes, probably. And just, like, weirdly self-referential and not very funny. There's, um, um,
1: there's like, a couple solidly funny, like, really dry moments between Bill Murray and Adam Driver. Um, mm-hmm. And after about, like, the third one both of them become fucking insufferable like they just, dry up it's yeah it stops yeah. being funny and just starts getting so fucking irritating
0: yeah like I, I have very few things uh i i don't think it's fair to criticize the movie for only watching half of it but what no, i no, it is say i is...
1: watched the whole thing it's fair it's <laughs> okay, fair criticism fair.
0: <laughs> i think the best thing i can say about it is iggy pop as a zombie is great casting
1: Yeah, because you don't have to put any makeup on him. The man looks (laughs) like a mummified husk.
0: Yeah, and that was the best part, is all he did to be a zombie was he kind of, like, pushed his chin into his chest and his, like, neck back. And then he just opened his eyes really wide. And then they're just like, wow, great. We don't even have to color his skin. He's already pallid gray with veins up and down. He's Um, been a
1: leathery husk (laughs) since, like, 1987.
0: Yeah, he's got couch-like qualities.
1: He was in. Um, <laughs> did you ever see that movie Cry Gosh, Baby like... with um, jo- a young Johnny Depp?
0: I have not. No. Oh, okay.
1: Um, it's I'm like a I'm to Johnny Depp. It's. I mean, that's fair, but it's. It's a um, <laughs> tongue-in-cheek homage to like 50s greaser movies. Um, so it's like it. Okay. It's a musical like Grease, but then it's also like Rebel Without a Cause type aesthetic, and Johnny Depp plays it... this like greaser character.
0: Is it also a musical?
1: It has musical moments in it.
0: <laughs> there's a musicality to it.
1: I don't. I don't know if it's a consistent musical, but there's definitely mm. people singing songs for reasons that aren't super well explained. <laughs> so I'd put it in the I category like of musical.
0: <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Um, I did like grease. I like the greaser aesthetic. I haven't showered in a few days.
1: Honestly, it's a very young, like, hot off um, 21 Jump Street Johnny Depp.
0: Oh, so still hot.
1: Oh, exceedingly <laughs> yeah. attractive. This is like we're talking like, like Johnny Depp like nineteen ninety.
0: He was smooth still. Yeah, he was Before smooth. Oh my like God. A, a he was
1: he was real foxy um back in the day.
0: We've all seen uh was it Nightmare was it Nightmare on Elm Street one?
1: Oh, when he's there? got the crop top as Glenn yeah. Stop yeah, yeah. With the big bouffant <laughs> hair. Ugh.
0: Yep. He's great. Did you math. know yeah. that
1: Johnny Depp um took that role at the recommendation of Nicolas Cage back in the day because they were best buds and Johnny Depp wanted to be <laughs> a rock star and was making no money. And Nick Cage was like, you should just do this movie role to make some change. And yeah. then and oh then he God. got super famous off that Wes Craven slasher movie.
0: Yeah, I was going to say he outlived that horrid series. Uh, in the biggest possible way. Oh boring. yeah,
1: he everybody, everybody. He's he's he got bigger than fucking Robert England, whose career basically stopped. It.
0: Like, uh, well, Johnny Depp was like in everything for like was. a span of like ten years. He, yeah, was. he was and then unavoidable. You know,
1: all this stuff yeah. happened with Amber Heard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he was I huge. Kind of yeah, in the, the '90s and like 2000s, he was enormous.
0: Yeah, I was I was gonna say I think. I, th- I think it's funny that he got into movies for the same reason why musicians like for the I guess the opposite reason musicians get into movie- movies these days. Mm. He couldn't make money as in, in music. So he went to movies. Now musicians are like I could make more money if mm. I got movies. And yeah. now we see fucking like I guess John John Cena is a musician and a wrestler and an actor.
2: I feel like the moments passed, but I, I do. I was just going to say I did see Um, I don't think I talked about it in the pod, but I think I did may have talked about it before. But I did see um, Thelma and Louise recently, Ridley Scott movie, uh, which was really good, and that had a young Ridley Scott. (laughs) I know
1: Ridley Scott did Thelma and Louise with Gina Davis and Susan Sarandon.
2: Shut the hell up! And
1: a young smoking Brad Pitt.
2: That's the thing I was going to say. It's kind (sighs) of like the Johnny Depp thing. Is he's he's. Otherworldly, like uh, oh, yeah. In, oh yeah, in it. He's cause he has a totally different accent. He is unbelievably young and ripped. It's like
1: you get a great it, ass it, shot too. Like, like a really yeah, solid. Tyler Durden Pitt, is, butt shot. is
2: like is like up there, but like man, he's already doing super well in fucking Thelma and Louise. Uh great movie yeah. though, and very alien type uh storyline in the sense of like super strong women just and whatever the fuck. Um, I just, mostly I uh, the idea. Thelma, I believe. The older woman. F- I'm forgetting which one's which. I love the uh, idea. The one that-
1: who left her abusive husband or the one who's the best friend? Gina Davis' abusive husband. I mean, they're husband. both best friends, but. I know, but the one who's like helping her run away from her abusive husband or the one who actually had the abusive husband that she wanted to murder? I think- or maybe did murder.
2: They both had bad at-home situations, so I just I can't. I, there's an there's an older and a younger one basically, and I, I that's how I um, them.
1: Yeah, I don't think there's a huge age difference, but Susan Sarandon, uh-huh. Susan Sarandon is in the driver's seat, and Gina Davis is in the passenger seat when they go over the cliff. I think.
2: Oh, that's that's where you're like that's the scene. I mean that <laughs> ending though that is a very it's memorable, <laughs> memorable. Yeah, it's it's just it's interesting cuz the rest of the movie is also very good but i was i was just surprised how much they like stuck the landing with an interesting ending
1: it the also came was... out around the time that fried green tomatoes came out so it was like people were really into women with like abusive backstories
0: yeah yeah that was like the only way to write a woman at some point for some reason was just like yeah you know what we'll just we'll just and
1: like yeah that trend went well into the 90s too cuz mm-hmm. practical magic i rewatched that recently and like that movie gets way darker than I remembered. Way darker. Yeah, I
0: think the, 90, the 90s are punctuated with just, like, not really knowing how to write women, period.
1: I mean, I still mm-hmm. love Practical Magic. And Thelma there's, yeah,
2: there's a kind of transition period where it's like people... I think people feel this need to be like, okay, they still have to be women, but we want them to have interesting or deep storylines. And unfortunately, Men's Minds, who, of course, were writing all these things... Uh, decided that the only way to do that is like rape, abuse. You know, just these are the things that they thought are the interesting things that happen to two women. I guess is the, this is the very thing two women, rather than you know what women think of themselves. That being said, I do think the characters are really well developed and interesting and cool in the movie, even though that's exactly that there's a rape, there's abuse, there's it's yeah. the whole it's shebang not great. of tropes. Yeah.
1: It's not great, but it is still a super entertaining movie like i really do love elma and louise it's very charming um and you get that rockin brad pitt butt oh
0: yeah i still can't get the idea of like ridley scott doing it's weird. out of my mind well it's it, like the, I, I actually that does uh, that is something i watched fairly recently i went back and watched like the um the, the modern Alien prequels that Ridley Scott was God. like no Prometheus? no no they're not Alien yeah. yeah he's like he's like Fuck no 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 God. they're not Alien movies and then they're absolutely Alien movies. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Wait, he called the I, second one Alien like like something Covenant Covenant yeah
0: yeah he, yeah the first one was Prometheus and I'm the, all the marketing was like it's not Alien it just looks like Alien and at the end there's an Alien no. so it's not Alien Alien Covenant like both of those movies I feel like. There's like a glimmer of something in there that he would like maybe he's too old maybe maybe like maybe he doesn't have enough oversight but I feel like both of those movies could have been they were halfway to the finish line of being like decent movies and then like, hit like his
1: him and Aronofsky like they've made some really fucking interesting like really excellent films. And then Mm -hmm. they got so up their own asses about this, like, weird God complex religious undertone for their fucking films that they, like, needed to explore because they have a message around it. And it's like, man, can you just, like, accept your Catholic guilt and fucking go to bed? We're all bored of this. Like, I don't. Mother is fucking, like, insufferable. Prometheus is doing the same exact shit. Alien Covenant is like the more like actiony version of the same story. I'm just like I'm fucking tired of it. I'm tired of like mm. men having weird conversations about their own narcissism in film.
0: I kind of like the 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 focus like in those two movies about like like the characters' like relationship with like uh, I guess divinity. Like that's like that's kind of like I guess David's whole purpose, but. Yeah, like I feel like th- he got halfway to, like th- to a to a decent thesis statement, and then just tripped over his own like ham-fisted writing.
1: Like well, both those also, movies, like, I feel like he also felt the need to like have a weird conversation around what I presume is some kind of story related to sexual assault and like female bodily autonomy, because oh, yeah, they like I basically remember. impregnate her with the alien in the same way the that they movie. do to ripley in that god-awful third movie that we watched just have mm-hmm.
0: oh we don't talk about aliens three.
1: Oh, it's so bad i mixed it up with resurrection which is also bad but like fun yes. bad because you get ron perlman yeah i uh
0: th- i yeah like i feel like i feel like not that not that this movie even begs dissection but like I I was almost like, I was I was ready to give it to him. I was ready to be like, yeah, tell me something. Tell me something about, about your robots. Tell me something about your aliens. Uh, and then, yeah, just like halfway through, just like, no, we're going to do body horror now. Okay. <laughs> mm. Yeah, we're going to drop all the themes, just body horror. Next movie, only body horror. Yeah. Um, I, th- I, th- I th- I'll just go back and watch his old shit. That's what I'll do. I'll go back, watch Alien. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll go watch on Louise. Actually, I gotta go watch that because Brad Pitt's butt.
1: Yeah, it's a good butt. <laughs> it's it's a very excellent, very goldenly tanned butt. Jesus,
0: toasted the, buns.
1: Look, that is the least bad thing of the gross objectifying things oh that God. I have said in this podcast so far. <laughs> <laughs> Just okay, this I, episode.
2: <laughs> but I was I was the movie I saw. I've been wanting to see this movie for a while, and I don't care that everyone hates him already. But I really want to see Old because the premise sounded cool.
1: I really want to see it too. No spoilers in your review because I oh. so want to see it. I you can review it, well, but just oh don't just don't give away the twist because I'm gonna figure it out in the first 15 minutes, and then I'm gonna be mad the rest of the movie anyway. So like, let me have my moment of anger. <laughs> Plus, Alex yeah. Wolf. That's not that looking. You enjoy. Like I'm not hating I, yeah, on I, Alex Wolff. He's a cute he's a cute man.
3: Cutie.
2: Yeah, he's he's only in it for like because they change ages a bunch in the movie, like he's only in no, it for like 5 seconds. Um,
1: I'm decidedly less interested if I'm honest.
2: <sighs> if if I'm thinking of the right actor. But anyways, um uh, actually the the father though is uh the guy from Mozart in the Jungle, which is a show that I think I've mentioned on the podcast a, a slightly a couple times, but it's like I never actually fully reviewed it. I don't know why. But anyways, I watched all four seasons, binged all four seasons once, and I loved that show. That show was great, and he's good in this. Um, It the movie has like a, you know, background where the main characters—it's like they're they're uh, going through a separation, and they both have problems, and they cause each other issues, right? But it's really just let's get to the end. My channel on twisty
0: beach, like that's oh, it's just like like straight shot to the premise.
2: I, that's the thing it isn't because they do this whole like 20 minutes of preamble about mm. who they are as characters and what you're doing and it does matter for this plot as the movie goes on but it's yeah. like honestly you're in it for the twists like come on like what are we yeah. what are we doing here he has a shtick so they meet a whole bunch of other families on the beach and uh some aging starts happening and uh yeah I liked it I thought
1: it was some if, good aging
2: yeah so, uh I thought it was very similar in, like, goodness to The Visit, which I thought was a cool meta twist on, like, M. channel Shyamalan stuff, where I really was tricked in the movie of them talking through and being like, oh, it's aliens, oh, it's all this bullshit, like, crazy stuff. And I'm like, yeah, yeah.
1: And oh, then- you really, <laughs> like, genuinely didn't get that no, it was going to be, like, just no, different people, like, they're just, like, no. not the grandparents. So was, and that so
2: it was a good twist for me.
0: I was like, okay, is, is visit- right, fair enough. Is the visit an M Night Shyamalan? Yeah, yeah. Is it and it's is it recent?
2: Yeah, it's like oh okay. 2017, Mm-ish. 2018. That slid yeah. right
0: under my radar. Uh, I I kind of like watching his stuff uh, again for that for that like I like a good laugh, and since Signs, he's been putting out consistent laughs.
2: My one my one big problem like with this one putting is putting out
1: shitty things.
2: He is obsessed with his cameo in this one. It comes up so often, and it, it's it's. He did a, that
1: in Signs too. It's both
2: a non-character, and he's in it like for so much time. And I'm just like, what do you doing? He did you the
1: doing? same thing in Signs, and like, oddly, I actually I went back and rewatched Signs not too long ago, and I actually really, really enjoyed it just because the the character dynamics. Like, as much as I'm not a fan of Mel Gibson, him and Joaquin Phoenix are like really, really phenomenal in that movie. And Joaquin Phoenix um, is always good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But this was like a while back before he was when he was still kind of under the shadow of River Phoenix and coming into his own style. And he was like, really, it was it was a good movie. Um, It's kind of dumb that (laughs) these aliens invaded a planet that they're allergic to. And all they brought for a weapon was like a weird wrist spray that you had to get like aggressively close to the person to use. But other than that, like it was a cool movie. But he was obsessed with his cameo in that movie too. He sh- he's, he, he's a nothing character that both matters hugely to the character development of like everyone that he's interacted with mm-hmm. in that film, and like also shows up fucking constantly. So it's like there's there's no depth or 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 three dimensionality to the character, but he's integral to like all of the character development. I'm like. This is a little, like, self-serving. There's
2: a weird timing issue with Old, too, in the sense that if you watch, because I watched it, you know, I saw White Lotus a month ago or something, little maybe a little more, and it's like they have the very similar premise in a way of, like, going to an, uh, this fancy hotel on an island, and then in that one, the beach isn't as important. Obviously, the beach is very important in this one, in Old, but it's like the hotel is really important, too, and so it's just a bizarre, like... I couldn't get it out of my mind of like, are there similar themes going on here? Mm. Uh, just yeah. A weird timing issue. But yeah. I like um,
1: also just point of fact. Alex Wolf is the one from hereditary. That's what I was talking the about. Yeah. Yeah. The son.
2: But yeah. Yeah. He's in it, but he um, he's only one stage of one of the characters aging. So.
0: So yeah. uh, does the movie is the movie? Uh, I don't know if this is spoilery. Uh, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Um, can the whole movie be summarized as, like, surreal? Like, is is what's happening literal, or is it figurative? You have to watch the movie.
1: So oh, it's, you have to yeah, figure out that, the twist. That's, that is a total spoiler question. There isn't a world in which that wouldn't be a spoiler question.
0: Well, like, it's one of those things where, like, you know how, like, Annihilation ended on kind of like a question mark? Because uh, you're supposed to, like, kind of infer what, like, the whole purpose yeah. of the journey I, I, was? Like, I...
2: I would just say like you got to go into the movie just looking for the fun of the twists because I don't think you're going to get some deep emotional message by the end of this movie. Like,
1: OK,
3: yeah,
1: I like, will say um, of all the things M. Night Shyamalan has brought out recently. I haven't seen old yet, um, but the Apple TV Plus show that he did mm, Servant right. is actually very, very good. And I will continuously recommend it. It's like worth getting a trial or whatever of Apple TV Plus just to watch Servant it's solidly good.
2: I saw a video of upsetting, but. I saw a YouTube video of him explaining one of the shots he did in old. And actually that like double sold me on the movie. He it's it's the most interesting shot in the movie in my opinion. So he picked like a good one. But it just shows that he he's really doing something interesting with camera angles, pacing things. I mean I could I can talk about the scene a bit but it's like it's about the kids play freeze tag. And so you're on this you know beach where you know people are gonna age or something like this is going to happen. And you see, you see the camera pan over and these kids are just frozen. And you're like, what the fuck? Like, what's going on? Like, they must have hit like a time thing. And then you see another kid like hit them and then they start running again. And you realize as you're watching it, it's like they're just playing freeze tag. Like there is nothing going on.
0: Oh, it's like a like a That's small cool. twist.
2: Yeah, it's just <laughs> it's like it's m- like a foreshadowy twist. twisty thing. And it just it's solid. Also, portion. the kids play with little dolls and like and the dolls are like being like, uh, I don't like you anymore. I'm going to go live in a condo by myself <laughs> and all the stuff. And you're like, <laughs> <"No."> <laughs> So, yes, there's the whole d- uh, separation drama in the
0: behind. That's the really cute. It's
1: like the even more upsetting version of Benjamin Button.
0: Mm. Yeah. Uh, can I ask? OK, this maybe oh this question is a little bit less spoilery do they play into the like the body horror a lot is this like a movie I should yeah. like cover my eyes for a little bit
2: there's there's a couple characters who go through a lot of body horror
0: I, I just mean like am I gonna be seeing like meat blood no okay good yeah okay I've got yeah, a I gotta feel stomach. like it's
1: not it's not gonna be like the fly
0: yeah like that was my fear is that at some point someone's just like primordial goo and I don't want to be there for that. Oh, okay. Well, I saw I saw a head wiggle. Okay, Let's look, yeah.
1: look. You're stuff not very good at like keeping your opinions.
0: <laughs> oh man, I'll never stop trust you i asking spoiler
1: questions. I want to fucking watch this. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll watch it with you I'm so sorry. that we can get past this. But yeah, like, you... stop asking questions.
0: Why don't we just do it for the next uh, for the next one? No. Well,
1: he just watched what? it. just want to watch it. And again. also, okay. I, I had to watch but it. But if you want to have a virtual secretly, movie night, you know, we can watch it.
2: Yeah. I, I well yeah, and I'm just saying I had to watch it. It's not on streaming yet let's say
0: oh you went to a theater no in uh in covid times wink that's wink, brave wink. that's brave <laughs> oh my god honestly you're a hero i could never i mean i did go to a theater
2: i what did i watch in theaters i did watch something in theaters green Knight. <laughs> oh you did yeah.
0: no shit
1: Didn't- with the stunning dev patel oh i love him he's so handsome i'm just objectifying every actor on i this feel like we only podcast. talk about the
0: handsome guys in this movie in this uh, podcast
1: that's the only—they're the only men that are worth talking about.
0: <laughs> <laughs> love them for their bodies. God. Uh, oh God.
1: The only value that male actors really have. No. Oh I'm my kidding. God. Okay. I don't. I don't I'm kidding. To,
0: I don't. Speaking of people who are attractive, <laughs> let's not talk about Timothy Chalamet. Oh my God.
1: Timothy Chalamet gave um, chlamydia to like half. Oh my his God. You love graduating this line. college
0: he, class. He's, he, I uh. That just shows how attractive is. The only time I'm going to be no, in a theater it anytime soon.
1: I could get chlamydia and give it to 15 people S- in a weekend. That it just shows, shows how, how easy he is. how attractive you
0: are. Stop talking about No, it STI. doesn't. <laughs> but also, yes, you're very attractive. Um,
1: I'm fine, but it's not that hard to have sex. You're
0: fine.
1: <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ.
0: You set yourself up, and I did it. Um, the only time I'm going to be in a theater until uh, probably the inevitable heat death of the universe is for Dune mm. uh, 1 assuming there's going to be a Dune so 2 oh you're going to
1: play into the neediness of Villeneuve
0: you know what I, I, I'm i going to make it an event because I actually I know enough people who uh, I know uh, there's a couple people I watched the original Dune with recently nice and Kyle we, McLaughlin we suffered together and so we will hopefully be redeemed uh, this October
1: how much of a bummer would it be that he's like thrown such a pissy fit about how you have to see it in theaters <sighs> and then you go see it in theaters and it's fucking terrible
0: I actually, I like, actually wouldn't
1: that just suck
0: it, if the movie is shit I, I'm still gonna be happy I saw it because it can't be worse than Lynch's but like I actually feel worse I would feel worse going to the theater and giving that bastard money for guilting me um, mm. but mostly because yep, I don't fucking believe in like renting digital movies that shit's fucking dumb Sorry, capitalist C. <laughs> I was I don't believe in renting digital goods. Uh, I but mean, I will absolutely go and sit in a big comfy chair in my favorite. It's truly no different than theater. renting a physical
1: yeah, coffee. But, but I don't understand what the difference is. Well,
0: because I'm paying for their time in their seat, right? So, like, they got to give me an experience. I'm, I got the better sound system. It's a bigger screen. And then uh, I'm probably going to. Uh, no, but like
1: what what's up. the difference between renting a videotape back in the day and renting a digital copy of a of a movie? I don't oh. get cuz you're still watching it in your own home. Uh yeah. b- for death, well,
0: blockbuster was a scam. Well, I also also <laughs> uh, well, that's, yeah, Blockbusters were definitely Capitalist a scam. scum. Uh but uh I don't know. I I don't I didn't like the idea of rental movies either, uh to be honest. Um
1: Oh, I but, uh, loved going to the video uh, store back when I was a kid.
0: I, I liked it because w- uh, our our family home had uh, one of those, like, two stacked VCRs. So we would play the movie oh. on the top VCR and then be and ripping then tape it, it onto the set. Nice. Mm. So nice. Um, I liked it as a method of transferring the rights to a movie to myself.
1: <laughs> uh, so, st- so stealing.
0: Yes. Yeah. Theft. Direct theft. Um, <laughs> but little else. <laughs>
1: Maybe don't advertise that.
2: (laughs) It's funny. I feel like my, yeah, my mindset has like really changed on these things in the sense that I don't like with streaming and whatnot, I'm all about just like grabbing whatever for the cheapest price, watching it like as a good experience. But then when it comes to physical copies or buying stuff, it's all about the collectability, how much I like the item, blah, blah, blah. Like they're just Mm -hmm. different realms. Uh, It's all about the aesthetic.
1: I I'm gonna do I'm gonna do a documentary I don't care that much about the other movie I watched I watched a movie called haunt it's it's fine it's about an extreme haunted house and it's creepy and it's scary and you should watch it
2: (laughs) we're a podcast about indie movies I watched an indie movie it was it was a movie okay moving on to popular show number four
1: no okay so the the movie haunt is good it's scary it's genuinely scary it's very similar to a movie that came out around the same time called Hellfest with bex taylor whatever It's better than Hellfest if you find haunted houses creepy or you like the idea of those super extreme haunted houses, which are like super popular right now and horrifying. Mm. Um, It's a a cool horror movie. It's got some pretty solid kills and it decently creeped me out. Plus, you get a disturbing clown, which is always fun. That's that movie that I watched. It's on Shudder. You can also get it through AMC+. On Prime.
0: The name Hellfest sounds like a wrestling event. Mm.
1: No, Hellfest is the shitty movie. This is called Haunt. Oh yeah, I just
0: mean like the the name Hellfest is not. Inspire no, it's not confidence. a good name. Uh-uh. No.
1: No. <laughs> no. I mean Haunt's like a fine name, yeah. uh, but the the actual poster is pretty cool. But that's that movie. <laughs> Watch it for spooky season. It's solid. Yeah. It's a solid Shutter exclusive.
0: You got thirty one days.
1: Moving on to the documentary I watched, which was. Much more interesting. I watched um, In Search of Darkness. Yes. Which is a documentary about eighties horror films and cult classics from the eighties and practical special effects. Oh, that's what that was in the eighties.
2: Four hours um, long, baby.
1: Oh No no, three and a half. Oh,
0: okay,
2: never three mind. Four hours fine. long.
1: That's like a but an there is movie. a sequel. Okay. <laughs> there, there there is a second movie, which I have not watched yet, a second documentary. Um <laughs> But there's I mean the 80s is like the core for popular oh, horror absolutely. media That's and is 10 like years. so influential um for like pretty much everything that came after. And it's a cool fucking documentary if you like horror movies. Like it's just like a really interesting, weird documentary um that is produced by Corey Taylor from Slipknot. Who also features prominently and is interviewed multiple times in this documentary. Yes. And I'm like, that's a weird self-insert considering there, it's a documentary. Um, mm. But there's there's really interesting people in it. I mean, you've got um, like John Carpenter is in it talking about the fog and the thing and Halloween. And that's really cool. And the woman who played Elvira, Mistress of the yes. Dark, Joe Bob Briggs yep. from Last Drive-In with Joe Bob. Absolute queen. Yeah, Elvira's an immaculate human being. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and truly knowledgeable Heather Lagging uh Camp who was um Nancy in uh the oh. first um the Nightmare 3rd. on Elm Street yeah, yeah. as well as as well as uh New Nightmare I think. She was on the f- in the first name of that one.
0: third and I think even one of the newer re- well not the newest reboot but one of not the Not
1: the reboot but she was she was in um I think it's New Nightmare where it's Freddy is haunting them
0: mm-hmm.
1: as they're making a Freddy movie. Yeah. So it's the actors. Yes. Yeah, that one. The characters, think, which is uh, interesting.
2: I think she's actually like the person I most, when people say like Final Girl, I think she's the most common like actress, I think in my mind. Yeah, yeah. I don't know really? why. Really?
1: You think I, Nancy over Jamie Lee Curtis? Yeah. Interesting. I think, But I I, I, loved, Laurie Strode. I loved
2: Nightmare on Elm Street movies like from as a kid, right? Versus uh, Halloween, I I knew of them, but they were never my it was Nightmare on Elm Street and Child's Play, which to were my fair, big ones when I was a kid.
0: To be fair, she was the last girl in multiple uh, Nightmare on Elm Street movies.
1: Yeah, in three of them. Yeah. Lori was also the final girl in th- like f- at 5 now.
0: Oh, for Halloween movies?
1: Jamie Lee. Yeah, yeah, she was in the first, in the second. Um she was in H2O oh, and then the new Halloween oh, I and then about that Halloween one. Kills which comes out next mm.
0: year i forgot next about h2o so yeah
1: hate no h2o is fucking super fun um resurrection with busta rhymes is the really oh, rough one maybe i'm
0: missing maybe i'm uh, mixing them up because there was a lot of 2000s reboots of, of yeah. slashers
1: so, yeah so h2o also 2000s has um josh hartnett playing her son and uh, a very young michelle williams Oh. With the pencil-thin eyebrows. <gasps> Gotta love it. Uh, and the reason you're mixing it up is because H2O has LL Cool J, and Resurrection has Busta Rhymes. Oh, man. Resurrection is terrible. Lori Strode is also in Resurrection, but she dies in the first, like, 15 minutes, and it's fucking stupid. Waste. Waste. Yeah, it's a waste. It's a waste of Jamie Lee Curtis's talent. Mm-hmm. But anyway really interesting people i mean Doug Bradley who played Pinhead is interviewed in this in this documentary <sighs> nice. as well oh. um Keith David Love from the thing. thing like just tons of like really interesting actors and creators and like authors and writers from Fangoria and other publications that were super popular through the 80s for horror are all being interviewed and it's just like it's a really fucking cool documentary they go into my favorite part was probably when they're talking about um, the practical effects around certain creature features that were really popular in the '80s. So, like the Howling, um, American Werewolf in London, and the how they did the the wolf transformation, or even the cat transformation in Cat People, which is like the weirdest fucking version of this body horror animal transformation movie it's super odd and it has Malcolm McDowell in it and it's like weirdly erotic
3: Mm.
1: (laughs)
0: cats always get sexualized in weird ways
1: yeah it's a weird movie it's a weird movie but like the special effects around how they did the transformations for these particular creature features are so unbelievably impressive and what I didn't realize is um, the category for uh, like makeup at the Oscars wasn't created until 1981 and the first movie to win for like special effects makeup mm. was um, American werewolf in London. Yeah. Oh, good win. The transformation scene in American werewolf in London. Um, and like, it, it was cool hearing them talk about it, hearing them talk about how the makeup was done, which they felt was like the more interesting depiction. And it was really split down the middle. Like a lot of people were talking about how, the howling was the more interesting one because it was traditional horror, right? It's showing it's it's dark and it's moody and it's disturbing. Mm-hmm. Whereas American Werewolf in London, which I personally think is is the more interesting, yeah. is in full light. Like it's in a fully lit room and the way that it's filmed, it's to, it's made to look excruciating. Mm-hmm. It brings it into the light mm-hmm. and it's made to look like a true body horror trauma and i find that so much scarier and so much more interesting when it's in a fully lit room. And that
0: depiction too is probably the most influential because now you cannot see werewolf movies where they where they treat it gently. Right. They actually do treat it like it's body horror. It's it's actually like probably like one of the better applications for it.
1: Yeah, and it's i mean just looking at the like stop by like frame by frame of that transformation, it's so fucking impressive. Mm-hmm. So if you love horror films, it is just probably it's such an interesting documentary and it's so fun and you can tell everybody who was interviewed was like so unbelievably passionate about the genre at the time when they were making those movies and still has so much love for it now
0: Mm -hmm. i feel like unfortunately with horror it's kind of got the same rep as like certain like genres of like either music or uh even i guess kind of like the same thing that a lot of like porn actors who tried to come over to like mainstream television like ran into where it's like if you do horror most people will just discredit you uh like if you're a Mm -hmm. metal musician you're just you're just discredited out of the gates even if you are musically proficient or knowledgeable or friendly it's just like sorry man you're from the joke genre like I i can't imagine they would be anything other than loyal it's a shame that like yeah
1: i mean i i definitely agree with you um And it is a shame because horror, I find, like with many genre films, is is an avenue because it's less monitored. There's more opportunity for experimentation. Mm -hmm. Um, So you get a lot of newness and a lot of weirdness and like pushing boundaries, especially because so many of the movies, you know, when you look at the 80s um, in particular, are so low budget and they're like so under the radar that you can kind of just do whatever the fuck you want and see how it turns out. And Mm -hmm. some of them are Terrible. And some end up being these like unbelievable gems that have influenced film for decades later. Like Halloween was an independent movie. Yep. And it's the only reason John Carpenter was able to do the thing, his first studio picture, was because of how well Halloween did on a shoestring budget. Sam Raimi made the Evil Dead movie oh, yeah. basically right out of film school mm-hmm. on a shoestring budget. Not a great movie. But Sam Raimi went on to make, I mean, I love The Evil Dead, but it's like, you know, it's just like not a technically good film. It's an amazing movie, but it's not technically good. But Sam Raimi went on to make, you know, three Spider-Man movies with Tobey Maguire. He made Drag Me to Hell. Like, you know, it's crazy. I think he's making the new Doctor Strange movie.
0: Oh, Mm. that's a good fit. I want to see that.
1: Yeah, it's supposed to be a horror this time around. It It's like described as a horror film. It should
0: be. It should be a bad acid trip that's like <laughs> yeah. that's like the coolest part about doctor <laughs> like, strange comics is like mm. especially the older ones some of the new ones but mostly the older ones it, they were just like yeah fuck it make it an acid trip like just go crazy do whatever art you want show us weird fucking visuals let's go let's say trip out
2: yeah i only read a few of the older comics with him but it's like i and not very like closely but i just found him way more way less iron manny than he is in the the movie here he yeah he is more stuffy and old timey in it but i'm like i like that i don't know i wish he had more of a different flavor than iron man and iron movies. man is that's is my like, only regret
0: iron man is the most pal- palatable flavor of like dude super- yeah of like asshole superhero these days like and modern comics reflect that version mm. of doctor strange as well uh to a degree but yeah the old like there was a modern representation I'm, I'm gonna i'm not gonna talk about comics forever but um there's an artist in uh based out of toronto uh, named Marco Rudy uh, and he did a one shot uh for dr strange and he's like a like a watercolor like acrylic he's like a like, yeah he's oh, cool. he's like a really great artist um I got to meet him uh briefly he's a really cool guy uh he did a one shot for dr strange and he basically got like free reign to like do whatever the hell he wanted and it's like it is lavish. It is um, maybe maybe a little bit um, maybe a bit too lavish, but like there's like these huge like like full page um, panels that are just surreal on purpose, and like the mm-hmm. imagery is so cool. He's the only character you can do think, so much of that like,
1: with. Look, the Marvel movies are fun. I'm not gonna shit all over like the MCU. I think everybody knows that they're like fine. Mm-hmm. They're not. They're Exactly. And that's, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, Mm -hmm. you need that. There's a lot of entertainment out of that, and it's nice to have. But, like, I feel like the MCU is taking, like, the most boring, bland versions of these characters to make these movies because, of course, they they appeal to, like, the broadest range of demographics. But there's so much experimentation in comics in the same way that you get so much experimentation in genre films. And it's just, it's a shame that they're not trying to to pursue any of the really interesting things you can find in comics
0: yeah they need they need a low investment low stakes method of exercising that creativity like um star trek's doing like these lower deck um things Mm -hmm. where it's like a little animated um kind of shorts uh, where they do get to like touch on a topic from like different writers and like they get to experiment a bit given the fact that like most modern star trek is like really strictly regimented and it's mm-hmm. pretty divergent from actual Star Trek stuff. I Like Marvel needs a way to just like let new writers do new weird things in one shots that like don't need to be good.
2: Yeah. Lower Decks is another one that I let drop out of my sort of list of stuff I've watched recently, but I really enjoyed it. I mean, we're on the third season now or whatever. It's it's more the same, but like, yeah, I do think it captures compared to the other Star Trek shows that are coming out. It captures more of that episodic fun times with friends feeling um, that some, especially like Voyager has. And I really like Voyager in the sense of that feeling of you're with a crew and you're going on an adventure episodically. Oh yeah. Right. Whereas earlier Star Treks are much more, you know, the characters and they're good, but it's much more like each episode is a cool concept. Lower decks trends more. It's funny. That's a big thing. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's all about, being really funny and it succeeds at that and it really knows it's Star Trek lore so it really like redoes Star Trek lore in a funny way but it the overall feeling to me feels more like a Voyager where it's about that the cast and crew feeling it like your friends and you're just jumping into a sitcom with them yeah
0: and I'll fight anyone on that I think Voyager is worth watching on that premise alone that it's Mm -hmm. lower investment lower stakes and it still manages to do a lot of the fun things from each of the Star Trek's prior Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. do you you guys want me to to start leaning towards what we the the fun we done
1: yeah yes please because i'll never get there Uh, i'll introduce i'll just keep talking i'll introduce it
0: because i was the 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 dummy who uh recommended it um (laughs) i picker yeah i i so this is a weird movie it's like a swedish it's been marketed as a horror and i think that does that kind of missells it but it's it's a it's a swedish like low budget um thriller centered around a family drama, um, and it is um, almost to a fault. It is su- it is surreal, as it tries to like walk a-, a mother and father through the guilt of losing their child. And the reason I say it's uh, surreal to a fault is because the movie opens without you seeing the main characters. It, it starts off with these three fictionalized characters. Uh, or, like, I guess, realized versions of fictional characters. There's, like, a music man, there's, like, a big lumbering dude, and then there's like a, a lady with weird hair. And it immediately mm-hmm. kind of, like, gets you into the mindset of, like, this is a time loop movie, it's surreal, and you're not going to feel safe. And that's where it goes. <laughs> it spends a lot of the runtime of the movie, it's pretty short, it's about 85 minutes, it spends a lot of the runtime of the movie in that time loop. Um, as the husband and wife are uh, repeatedly hunted and killed by these three fictional or like realized characters from uh, this fictional song about, um, I think it's about a rooster dying. It's just it's just weird throughout and being reborn. Yeah, and being reborn. Hmm.
1: I, I I I. don't.
0: <laughs> I... Go ahead. Yeah, rip it out.
1: I was just gonna say, like, so I mean, yes, that is very much a perfect synopsis it's better than any of the synopsis i do when i pick movies damn um but (laughs) the time loop thing and maybe this is this is a me problem because i've i've seen so Mm -hmm. many movies now that use that premise and i mean they're pretty much all american movies right like you know palm springs does it Mm -hmm. groundhog day does it happy death day does it there's a ton of movies that have this sort of time loop premise but there's They're played for a certain amount of humor. So even though it is sort of like Mm -hmm. there is kind of an underlying surrealist dread about having to relive your death constantly, there is a humorous element to it. Mm -hmm. And this movie does not like this movie is so cold. Mm -hmm. It is so upsettingly cold that it's like it's when they spend a lot of time in this in this time loop and like they really drag out each redone day. Um, So you're like living it moment by moment, including all of the like terror that happens. It becomes both irritating and like incredibly upsetting Mm -hmm. for me, at least like it just it made me uncomfortable to a point where it like wasn't it went beyond any kind of enjoyment that I could have gotten from a film. And also just like was like kind of irritating. Like, can we just can we? wrap it up a little bit can we speed through a couple of these deaths i get i get what's happening here like we can we can move on i don't need to hear the weird short man who looks <laughs> like the guy the inconceivable guy from the princess bride whistle for like another 10 fucking minutes i don't I, we don't need to do it again
2: yeah i mean i guess it It depends if you're you're in it in the movie or not you know it type thing it is disturbing and it, i agree with all you said upsetting but it, in the end, it's a movie about grief, right? And I think that's its purpose is to make you feel that way and to feel the discomfort of being in this couple who are just drowning in their own inability to move on or to figure out what to do next. So they, they go on this vacation three years after their child dies and it, it, it becomes surreal. And at first, I really couldn't connect the two portions of the movie. The first portion being them going to some kind of event and the wife having an allergic reaction to shellfish. And then this goes into a whole bunch of things that end up with their daughter dead. And then a whole weird allegory in the middle where it shows this whole fairy tale story about how they're feeling about it. And then it jumps to three years later. And I and I couldn't connect who the heck were these three killers, like this killer trio, and what did they have to do with the grief of... Um, The Daughter Dying. But once you, I mean, we've sort of said it multiple times, once you realize that these people are not real people at all, they're fully Mm -hmm. these real characters from this song and that that song is connected to the allegory you've seen about the rooster and rebirth and and something like this. Um, you can, Or at least I was able to connect the dots much better by the end of the movie. And I mean, maybe that's on purpose is that, that you're supposed to be left in the lurch of like being unable to understand it until the end. And I'm not saying it, it wraps up nicely. It just, I had some idea of how to connect dots by the end instead of yeah. feeling totally lost.
1: I actually didn't I didn't hate the ending. I liked the yeah. ending. I I liked that it was sort of bleak. It was bleak in the same way that like the Thomas Jane The Mist movie was yeah. bleak, mm-hmm. you know? I think I think that's really effective and powerful. I just I don't know. There's something about the the lingering on the like particular brand of violence and how yeah. that violence is is so off, like so frequently directed at the wife. Yes. Yeah. I agree with that. But I'm like, this off. is this is tiresome to me. I don't I don't want to see the dog eating her genitals. Yeah. Like I, so, I don't need yeah. that.
2: That part of it I don't understand. Like why is it that the way yeah the surreal fight like people act? Why is it the way that they kill them or do them is so just disturbing for the sake of being disturbing instead of. But I guess maybe they're trying to find a type of violence that you can't enjoy on the face of it. Like you have to just stick with the grief of it rather than picking the type of violence where if someone just stabs someone else, we're so used to movies where people do that. And we enjoy it as as a kill count, as a like, was this kill done well? Was this entertaining? Was this fun? And I think think the movie needs to move away from that move.
1: I agree with you. I just I think I think honestly, I found it bothersome that the violence you see is directed at the. At the mm-hmm. wife and you know that there's terrible things happening to the husband but the camera pans away every time or he's under the tent or the camera pans to the back half of the vehicle and the violence is happening on the front half like so you never see the terrible things that are happening to the husband you only see the graphic violence on the woman you don't
2: see it on her either and it's
1: like you do it, though no, it you always see, you away. see you see him beat her and then the Hulking large man dance around with her half dead body. You see the dog yeah. going in to eat her genitals and starting by licking them. You see them hit her over the head multiple times. You do see violence against her multiple times, mm-hmm. but anytime there's violence against the husband, except one time when he got hit in the head, it pans away or he's under the tent or he's in the car, so you can't see what's happening. And I just, it, I don't know. It made it way more uncomfortable for me for some reason.
3: Yeah.
0: I think, I think the movie was like good about not, um, like it didn't relish in the violence. It, like there was never, um, there was never any like, uh, gore, we'll say. There was not much in the ways of blood. Um, and most, not all, unfortunately, of the violence is done off screen, but, I think to circle back to Lydia's earlier point, um, the movie really, like almost to its credit, I would say I, I really enjoyed that much of it. Enjoys a weird word. I appreciated that much of the movie managed to stay. It kept me in the lurch and it kept me unsettled, even outside of the, the, those clearly unsettling things. But it kept me it kept me unsettled in a way that I haven't been in a horror movie in a long time.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Like throughout almost its entire runtime. There's th- that looming sense of like there's that foreboding sense of dread the whole movie uh, and this especially this long th- like three quarter portion of the movie where they're in that dream state um, where the logic is kind of not quite right and it keeps repeating the same day each time in nearly equal portions I, th- I feel um, um, I I wanted it to end and resolve but it also did feel like a really in a sense, it almost felt like a cathartic way of them kind of going through how each of how how the two of them were more specifically, the husband uh, was coping with what had happened because basically like, each loop would start and he would mm-hmm. try a new way of escaping the loop. But at no point did.
1: And like abandon her almost. Every yeah. Shot.
0: Yeah. We kept we kept focusing on his cowardice because <laughs> instead of actually like so doing anything, dogs. he just kept running. But in different mm-hmm. ways, like. He'd try to force her to leave, and she wouldn't. He'd try to leave without her, and she wouldn't. He tried to hide while she got, um, again, like violence on the woman, but um, he would try to hide while she got pulled out of the tent. Multiple times it seemed like it was focusing specifically on his inability to change events and hit all his futile attempts to do so. And then um, the reason I, I actually really liked that it kept me in that horrible state is because when it finally flipped and you got to see the wife reliving um, the dream loop, from her perspective it was mm-hmm. a different setting it was a different yep. season you didn't even it didn't even show the husband at all he was already gone and fucked off and you get mm-hmm. to see her pick up the pieces and that's when she actually comes to something that i would call the revelatory moment right where like she like the movie's full of symbols that don't seem to mean anything but to her there's like this moment where there's like a, sl- like a uh, for the audience there's a, a like a puppet show almost like a like a shadow puppet mm-hmm. show and it's so clearly symbolic, it's also so clearly esoteric, and um, it's so evocative at the same time, where like you almost do feel that that's the moment where she feels the catharsis of the loss of her child. And then it circles back, yeah. and the husband is just interjected again with this haphazard attempt to escape and to cope without actually dealing with
3: it.
1: Yeah, it feels very much like it's, like it's about him running from his grief and her grief, yes. abandoning mm-hmm. her in it. and she is actively moving through it. Yeah, and I, I feel like it took me a, a, you know, it took me a second to figure out the cat symbolism. But I mean, as she's following this cat through the woods, I truly think this is like her journey muddling through her grief. Mm-hmm. And she's just following this like bright white light to the end of the tunnel gets her cathartic moment with the puppet show and mm-hmm. she's like at that acceptance point. And the husband just never did it. And instead of actually going through this journey in any real capacity, he's just abandoned her in the grief.
2: Yeah. I, I do f- oh sorry. We're, we're just, in so super deep soil territories, but I really want to get because it's like that actually explains so much of like what I think her whole allegory is. The car has this rock in it and there's no windshield broken or anything like that. It probably represents the husband, you know, and the death and weight. the snow and the season represents her in the stage of, in pure grief, you know, the season of death, right? She's in, and but it's it's snow is also like pure and white in the sense of like she's in a kind of blanker state than his. He's still in this kind of rocky. He doesn't. He's so obsessed with his own ego and his own feelings about the situation and how to deal with his own weaknesses, where she. We don't know because she's she's older by the time in, in her dream by the time. So we don't know if it's like it's taking her longer to deal with grief, or maybe she's looking projecting herself. She's like, OK, in like 10 years time, where will I
0: be? How, yeah, will I have gone over life, anything here? Right? Like it actually does come, kind of come full circle for her.
1: I think yeah. more of it is just like the weight of her own grief and what that's done to her emotionally yeah. inside is represented physically by her like aged state. Yeah. So like she's still young. But within herself, she feels, like, broken and decrepit and elderly almost. Mm-hmm. And she needs to move through this process to, like, reconnect yeah. with her own sense of self as, like, a s- still relatively young woman.
0: Yeah. I think – I and this, this is something I haven't fully, like, lingered on, so, like, don't chew me out too badly for it. But I have a feeling the husband did reach the – at least his own th- – like re- revelatory moment and it, it quite literally is the end of the movie where he hits the white dog. Like I don't think it's nearly as satisfying or as poignant yeah. as hers, but like the mirror image of like the two people with the with the the dead animal uh, throughout the whole movie mirrored against the two the two parents with the dead child. but also at the end of the movie like the the, the amount of time it spends lingering on both the white dog and then the white cat in their mirrored circumstances, Mm. like like the end of the movie him hitting that animal i don't i don't think it's a great i don't again i, I think the symbolism is, is is muddled if if it's there but after after realizing that trying to escape grief the futility of it led him to more tragedy that that final scene of them like embracing is quite literally like as close as we can get to him his story resolving hers yeah. had, a, had a much more con- conclusive uh emotionally satisfying and like
1: well, because I think, again, like this grieving process was a journey for her that she was truly working through mm-hmm. while his was a practice and avoidance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he hits this dog, which is traumatizing and it's very sad. Nobody likes hurting animals, but it gives him an excuse for the catharsis of mm-hmm. true grieving. Mm-hmm. And he has a reason to just emotionally shatter. Mm-hmm. Like he has something to cling to that's like really in your face that he can he can now cry. Yeah, he
0: didn't need to be strong um, through it. He needed to know that he no. didn't need to be strong.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And it gave him that excuse. And I mean, I feel like that's that's something that's like relatively relatable regardless of gender. I do think that kind of emotional response mm. is common in men because we, you know, promote emotional distance so often in society for men. But you know, we've all had that moment where you have the straw that breaks the camel's back and you start screaming or you start sobbing over something so small and insignificant in the grand scheme of the terrible things that you're having to deal with. Mm-hmm. But you've bottled and you've pushed it away and you've kept muddling through and then you, you cling on to something tiny that gives you an excuse to just lose your fucking cool mm-hmm. and go nuts for a second and get an emotional release. So I do yeah. think by the end of it, she's really moved through her grief and that's the point of her story. You know, she's she's come out the other side and she's reached that acceptance stage and he's really just starting the grieving process and this is, like, his moment where he's finally learned he can't escape his emotions.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I think thematically, like the movie is in that fugue state for the whole time, and you almost feel like it's not going to resolve. That was actually a fear that I think each of us kind of said, mm-hmm. is like, I hope this is not a waste. It is a short, I like, think
2: without the ending, yeah, the movie is much weaker.
0: Yeah, and like, I think it does earn where it ends and the emotional payoff, because without, like, any expository moments, there is quite a bit of depth we get out of the actors. Uh, and, like, their characters. Like, the
1: performance is really quite good.
0: Yeah, and, like, even despite the language barrier, it's directed well, and I think... Yeah, I think they really it's do so because what they do.
1: It's a movie that has... I mean, it has dialogue. It has quite a bit of dialogue. But I truly felt like I did not need to have any understanding of what they were saying. Like, I could have watched this oh, in Swedish with no subtitles. It feels like a movie that didn't actually require the dialogue that it was given.
2: I I like that. I I didn't think of it that way. So that's revelatory to me, but I kind of see there's so much allegory. There's so much symbolism Mm -hmm. that the visual spectacle and the way their faces play out. You, you, you feel a lot of it. Yeah.
1: Like, I just, I don't, I don't think you needed, I mean, I don't think there was anything wrong with the dialogue, but I do think it is kind of bland. It's the blandest part of this Mm -hmm. like super surreal esoteric movie. And I truly think like, you could turn off the subtitles, just watch it in Swedish, not be able to speak Swedish, and get the exact same emotional tension mm-hmm. from it and, like, discomfort from it, and you would get the same resolution. I don't I don't think you need to be able to understand what they're talking about.
0: Again, I think that's really to its credit, too, because it, it starts off... Uh, <laughs> this is diverging from the heavy stuff a little bit, but the movie starts off, and I think all of us were like, what the fuck are Swedish people doing over there? Because, um, like, because <laughs> the, like they, they go to a... It, like, it starts off, and it's like... Yeah. Um, after the intro scene, it, the, it's the family. They're at a birthday party. No one's introduced. No one's names are really said until, like, the actual dream loop starts. But they're at a birthday party, and there's, like, comedians with, like, gigantic fake teeth and it yeah. wigs. And um, the one lady's dress is just it has a huge ass on it. The, yeah. the wife is eating a pizza that she ordered, and the pizza's like... Like it comes out, it looks like a nice artisanal pizza, but it, on it, it's got like tomatoes or either a weird pepperoni or tomatoes, and full oysters in shell in the sen- in, in the center of the pizza with like leaves and just shit. An,
1: it's like just a wild fucking pizza. Yeah, like it's an unhinged pizza. And
0: and so much of like the scene is unexplained because it doesn't preamble with like here's the wedding, here's the kid, here's like the kid's eighth birthday party where they're doing face paint. It's just like. Here's the family. They're in the scenario. We're not going to give you anything else. Like the the movie, like respects the audience to just pick up the context. Uh, it doesn't spell anything out, and then and then immediately it throws the weird pizza at you, and that's where things get weird. I don't
1: know, man. <laughs> Them in like Easter bunny face paint is also completely unexplained and yeah. super weird because nothing else about what's going on gives Easter vibes. Yeah. And you just you just have your three like your two main characters and the little girl in Easter face paint.
0: That's true. Yeah, there is nothing totally else. weird. Um, the the nice little shadow puppet showed that all the characters are bunnies, and I only just connected that for some reason. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I can't. The mom and the dad and the little and the and the kid are bunnies, and then you have the rooster for some reason.
0: Yeah. So like, I feel like that's context that maybe will we'll, we'll all benefit from, like, reading after the movie. Um, we, we couldn't find much on this movie in general. Like, uh, a couple places uh, did, like, reviews or critiques of it. Uh, there were no listed, like, content warnings or family guides or ratings for the movie.
1: I also found out this movie made $9,650 worldwide. <laughs> Jesus.
0: Um, it deserves more than that, I'll say. I don't care what anyone says. I think it deserves way more than that. Um, but... The, the song,
1: but I think it it had a it was a big festival run like that mm, yeah. was like I think that's the only place it really was ever released yeah was like festivals I think
0: all, all I think almost all of us watched it on Shutter which <laughs> is where, where it lives but um what I was gonna say is I think we we would all benefit from reading the French song that the name of the movie is based off of and also like the mm-hmm. song that repeats throughout because it's apparently about a rooster dying which is something that like comes up a few times and a part of me is wondering if if we had the context for the more surreal elements, if maybe the dream logic would have, uh, maybe we'd have better insight after the fact or maybe going into it, but I don't know. I think I'm going to spend some time doing it. Um,
1: it seems like the bulk of the info you can find on this movie is on Reddit. Oh, so if you are interested and look, there's a bunch of threads on the, um, r horror mm. subreddit.
0: Mm-hmm. The only place people are talking about horror movies, I guess. Um, well, I, there, I, it's a good place to start. Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I feel like the only place that like really begs like dissection is the actual storytelling. But there are a few things of note with the actual cinematography, which I feel like we could all probably have some points mm-hmm.
1: on. Yeah, I mean, visually, it was really cool. It does it does evoke like a very specific European vibe. Mm-hmm. Like you you see you see similar things. I think even in the ritual. While The Ritual does have, like, a bigger budget and was just, like, in my opinion, a more interesting movie. Some of the cinematography style is, like, fairly similar. You see a a similar sort of cinematography style in the original German um, Funny Games uh, and in the original Let the Right One In, the Norwegian Mm -hmm. film. It's just – it feels – Distinctly European in the same way that like Canadian made movies feel distinctly Canadian in a way that like I can't describe but the minute you watch it. <laughs> the color grading, <laughs> the camera angles, yeah, yeah, the like all of that. Like, you just the settings, it, it's a distinctly European and like a very specific sort of like German Scandinavian European vibe. Yeah,
0: focus on like nature, focus on color, focus on. I feel like a lot of the movies I see that come out of that area really like to focus on camping and like, Mm -hmm. they love Mm. to draw allusions to like our connection with nature. Like, like, and, and, and God, do they have the fucking scenery for that stuff? Like much of the movie, the, the the actual like color grading isn't the coldest of all like the Swedish movies I feel like I've seen, but um, it certainly does get there as the, as things get darker thematically. There's like, There's so many shots where they just like they managed to frame the the one I'm not gonna say campsite but like the, the, the area where like the dream loop takes place they manage to frame it so well because it's basically like a perfectly perfect roundabout of trees that are mm-hmm. like uh, equally like sparsely leaved but also dense um, when it comes to like busyness of how many trees there are and like towards the end they really focus on that with like the wife's um, trek through the right. through the woods in the winter. There's a couple times where like they did some really cool like half dissolve shots whereas like most movies there's a scene in the, in the beginning where like the, the the young daughter is looking in a store window at a toy which ends up being the toy that plays the song and has like the characters right. on it. Uh, and instead of just like shooting it from behind the glass at her face, they do a half dissolve. like they, they just kind of like overlay this like uh, like really like warmly lit like um, shadow puppet uh, uh, mm-hmm. or like like curtain area with just her in like a street looking in a window. And it's, I don't know, it's really interesting. Like it gets dreamy really fast. You could you could almost argue that the whole movie takes place inside of a dream.
2: Yeah, I think this movie just makes me, it it just, all throughout it, I was just thinking about how like we frame different movies and, and basically have to judge different movies on different types of criteria. Mm-hmm. If we compare it to something like The Ritual, it's like The Ritual is way more entertaining, way more like, uh, digestible as a movie. But when it comes to like how much am I gonna think back on the movie. Now the ritual does I love actually the, the it's it's it there's many things that are similar actually because it's like it's also about the main character sort of grief and cowardice mm-hmm. um in the ritual. But I actually like there's so many things in the three quarters of the way through of the ritual that I like have concerns about. Where it has to become uh, a
0: traditional horror movie. Yeah.
2: Yeah, there's like no. a transition that I don't you know, love a, in it. It's
1: a Netflix sponsored yeah, yeah. film.
2: Yeah. Whereas here, I think it does fail in terms of being an entertaining movie. But as an artistic, art housey piece, I'm really shocked at how much looking back now I feel like every piece fits together. Like, Uh I really don't know what you could cut from the movie or what you could do to.
1: Oh, I mean, it's it's a
2: it's concise. It is a
1: cool hundred and twenty like or hour and twenty five minutes. Like it's a nothing in length movie. Yeah. So for that alone, like if you have any curiosity about it, it's it's worth watching it really just because it's mm-hmm. so quick. Like it's it's just a small film. It's very tight. I don't think you could make it any shorter. I I don't know. I'm I'm having a tough time because I mm-hmm. think there are a lot of interesting things about this movie. I think it has merit. I think it's worth watching if you're interested in this kind of esoteric art house cinema. But there's also a lot of things that I I just don't think mm-hmm. were very good. Like, there's a lot of things that I don't think were great. I mean, we're talking about how interesting some of the cinematography is. And then on the flip side of that, you have that scene where she's looking at the cat in the side view mirror. Oh, yeah. And it's like she's walking to the back yeah. of the car and it just looks so fucking terrible. Yeah. You know, and like that one didn't there, bother there's me. Just, I don't know. You guys were on about it, but it was, it was, weird. it didn't bother me that much. But there's just, it's just weird when it's been like pretty consistent overall. And, I don't know. I mean... My
0: issue with that scene is you could have shot it any other way, and it'd be just as effective. Yes. It's like, it's... Um, They, they do this really weird, uh, again, for the audience, if you haven't seen it, they do this really weird, like, shot, reverse shot, but it's like... Or no, sorry, it's a shot, but they, they tried to frame a reverse shot within it. So, like... Mm.
2: They uh, do it multiple the, times
0: throughout the movie, yeah, actually. Which, like, maybe that's, like, a message about hindsight or something. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not smart. But, like, the, the, the camera is, like, in the back seat of the car, looking back right seat of the car, looking forward through the middle console towards the driver's side seat at the rear view uh like the the, the side window. The side side mirror. View. And the 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 wife leaves the driver's seat, you see her walk to the back of the car and the camera just goes closer and closer to the side view mirror. And then it's like weirdly lit. It's oddly clear and there's no like bubbling effect. But you see her approach a cat and it's and she's got like a flashlight on its head and she like pets it and it leads her off. But it's like I don't know, that that's that, that scene, it's probably like a budgetary thing.
1: I also feel like it's intentionally meant to like sort of disconnect you from the moment like mm-hmm. you're watching it on a movie because it's supposed to be a dream-like that's situation. That's fair, that's fair. So I, I, I do think it was an intentionally chosen shot. I just think it was like badly done yeah, and looked amateurs. shitty compared to like a movie that was decent mm-hmm. within the constraints of its budget as far as cinematography goes. And I, you know, I... I feel the same way about the dialogue which I do think to its credit because it's such a visual medium you can get the entire context without being able to understand what they're talking about without even hearing the dialogue you can watch this movie and get a lot out of it but when you do pay attention to the dialogue like it's super stilted and like not very good and it's just there's there are things about this film that are technically really bad and like I do think there's a lot of merit here. I do think it's interesting. I just don't know if it's interesting enough when it doesn't have a strictly entertainment value and there's a lot of technically bad things about it. You know what I mean?
2: It's it's tricky because again, like it's one of those things where it's like once I've decided I like the like theme and like things, I'm can I just make rationalizations for everything or not? Cause to me it's like dialogue is one of those things where if people are in grief, their dialogue is gonna be stilted. Like, they're unable to talk to each other. They're unable to communicate, you know. But it, and didn't, so.
1: it didn't come off like that. It came off like that uh, between yeah, those I mean, two characters. <laughs> but every other character, even, even at the beginning of the movie, before there was any of the grief wrapped mm-hmm. up in it, it's still, like, not good dialogue. Like, yeah. it, it just isn't good dialogue. And you can totally make an argument that, like, this is not a movie where dialogue is is a necessity. And I would agree with you. But if you're going to have that much dialogue and it's all going to be like pretty badly written, I, I have to take points off, even if I even if I think like there might be a justification for it. I think you're right in like the back two thirds of the movie when the couple are having conversations, the dialogue being stilted makes perfect sense mm-hmm. in the prologue. It shouldn't have been. Yeah. And I think I would have preferred if your creepy, like weird carnival characters didn't speak at all Then them mm. have like weirdly bad boring dialogue when they were like doing some pretty solid face acting
0: yeah i think i'll give the movie credit it's not overly wordy so like i think it gets away with like if anything like i'd say that this, that there's probably under 100 lines in the movie uh total uh anything well, intelligible lines that are actually like ex- expository in any way but i i think. It is obviously a flawed movie. That I think that's inarguable, but I, I love it despite... And I, I'm really surprised I'm saying that. Because I feel like this is the type of movie I wouldn't generally enjoy. Because like it's, it's so obviously trying to be surreal. And it's trying so obviously to say a certain thing. And it's evasive throughout the movie. And it's like, I, I think intentionally so. And at the end, even with the somewhat clear ending, it's still evasive. I still enjoyed it despite, I think, just mm-hmm. because it was so cohesive. And again, because I, it's lean, yeah. it's it's intentional, even it's in its deceptiveness. And it, uh, I, th- I think it succeeds in doing the thing that it set out to do, even if it is stilted.
3: Yeah.
2: I was just going to say something similar in the sense that like, I think it's one of those cases for me where what I really appreciate about it is I've, I've been leading up to this thing. So this is probably not that revelatory from things I've said before. But like, it's one of those things where I feel like my criteria for judging it changes based on what I've learned throughout the movie and so by the end of it I'm like okay you have a certain goal in mind how effective were these things flaws included at conveying that that goal or me appreciating this as an artistic work and I'm like looking back at the movie as a whole and understanding you know what things I'm like everything works effective enough and you've you've accomplished your goal well and not just that but like I think it accomplishes it in a like I love that there's still stuff that I don't understand, in particular because I haven't experienced that deep of grief. So there should be stuff I don't understand, right? I think some of the moments are things that I can intellectually see that something's going on, but I don't feel it as much. And I think that's interesting. I'd be curious if I do then have heavy grief in my life, if looking back at this work makes me feel the catharsis or the connection with the characters. I'm sort of going off the fact of having watched many other things about grief and being like, did this match with a lot of those? And I'm like, yes, a lot of the ideas of grief here match with those. And therefore, it's probably how grief functions, you know, and that's sort of (laughs) silly. But I'm also like, but there's lots of (laughs) mysteries still in it. And those mysteries make me think this person didn't just or the people involved didn't just look at stuff about grief and repeat. They have something they want to say about grief Mm -hmm. and that's i think if we're talking about like what art house is supposed to do i think that's the ultimate goal is to have yeah i mean feeling and and accomplish it so for me that's the way in which the movie was successful
1: no and i i don't disagree with anything Mm -hmm. that you're saying i there are aspects of this movie that i liked and i do think that this movie has value like i think there is merit in watching it i think it is worth watching as long as you go into it with open eyes, Absolutely. knowing that it's going to be like yeah. a you can't, very.
2: You can't watch this for fun. <laughs> no. <laughs>
1: no. No. Like you have to go in with an intent to be critical because it's an art house film. Like it's mm. it, that is its intention. And that's totally fine. I think the fact that it's, you know, a cool 85 minutes really helps it out a lot mm-hmm. to make it mm-hmm. tolerable. Big agree. I think that ending is what made it in any way good for me like that very like just like cathartic but also bleak ending Mm -hmm. makes it a lot more effective and if they had have gone any more surreal in that last like 10 minutes the movie would have been garbage Mm -hmm. to me Mm -hmm. and I think the wife's segment is what sold me on it like hers was the interesting portion anything absolutely all of the husband's loops which is 70% of the movie I needed one and then it could have been done. And that's kind of like where I'm at. And there were just there were enough aspects that made it uncomfortable to watch or irritating to watch in a way that I didn't find value in mm-hmm. that makes it a difficult for movie yeah. for me to say I enjoyed in any capacity. But I do think that there is value there. I'm not saying it's a piece of garbage because it's not. Yeah, I mean, not to discredit it. It's not you. the best thing in the world, but it's 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 not garbage. I just can't say honestly that i liked it even though there are pieces that i really did love mm-hmm. like that ending and the wife segment mm-hmm.
0: yeah i feel like i not to discredit you at all i think i think this is certainly a movie that like if it if this movie wasn't polarizing i'd be surprised <laughs> like if people were just like Fair. unanimously like this is a good movie i'd be like y'all are cracked
1: <laughs> yeah, and I mean, if your only criticism is like I was bored, then like,
0: yeah, no. this
1: movie is not for you. Like, there's a lot of th- th- you fuck off. There's a lot of
0: things worth discussing about it, uh, and certainly a lot of, yeah. lot of valid criticisms. I think, I think for me, I'm able to like it's it's certainly not like leaning far into my like favorable category, but I I liked it enough. I don't know if it's one of those ones I'd recommend ever, though. You know what I mean? Like, this is a movie yeah, I totally. I really liked. I would like to see a more experienced director do this same thing. And I I feel like that's a slight against the director, even though they did a, a great job with what they had.
1: Even just the same director with a little bit better of a budget yeah. and maybe a better writer.
0: Yeah, like... like Because
1: like, uh, I I don't know if he wrote and directed it. I think maybe there could have been some polishing done on the on the writing. But uh, honestly, I do think a little bit better of a budget might have skipped yeah. the scales for me and made it a little bit better.
2: I almost think the movie fits a category where or at least I categorize often things in this way where it's like guilty pleasures in the sense of like there's some things I want to watch because they're entertaining and I kind of recognize they're like my trash and I i don't want to say anything more and this is sort of the exact <laughs> inverse boat where it's like I really didn't enjoy it I, I that's what I completely agree with you Lydian. It's like it's like I didn't enjoy it all the way through but I'm like it's one of those things where I'm like well I appreciate that even though it's completely unenjoyable and hard to watch it's valuable and interesting and so there's this
1: yeah I get that
2: innocent non-pleasure or like like artistic non-pleasure boat where it's like some things deserve respect where it's like I still it still would be hard to put in a top list not just for the non-entertaining but I also actually agree with you that and I know it's from the husband's perspective it's his dream so we can't necessarily say this is exactly the director's view like it might just be the character's view but it is kind of brutal how much it's just violence against women it's ridiculous some classic trope Grossness.
1: Yeah, I think that that is really what detracts it for me because it's such a commonplace, boring yeah. trope in such an artsy, esoteric film. And there's and it's like to really, really, like you
0: really fast.
1: That's the thing, though. I don't think it was that fast. Like this movie's only an hour and twenty-five minutes, and two-thirds of it are spent on that. It's like. And it's the most boring, obvious choice, and Mm -hmm. I guarantee you, it's the main reason it was categorized as a horror film, Mm -hmm. is because of that. And it's just, it's frustrating, and it's such a boring choice. It's also
0: strange that, like, it's specifically about her peeing. Like every time she is separated, yeah. Every every time that the husband and wife are separated, and she gets like gratuitously uh, abused is the word I am going to use. It's always while she's urinating. And I I get it's because, like, the dream loop is supposed to be, like, a a very tight time frame. Could you not have made it anything else? Like, could we not have focused on her genitalia?
1: I'm assuming it's because that's, like, the most vulnerable moment for any animal is when they're relieving themselves. And in particular for women, because if you're out in the woods and you need to, like, pee... Mm you basically have to get bottom half naked to be able to do it and sit in a squat. So it's like, it is a particularly vulnerable, easily accessible moment. Okay, yeah. And there is a very specific type of sort of violent imagery that it evokes. So That's even what when you don't say. show it yeah. and you yeah. know that she's half naked, yeah. it it creates this air of, of sexual abuse, I, whether exactly. it happens or not. Yeah, I was going
2: to say, I think it's a way of getting into that she's... He, he has a fear of her being raped and destroyed and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And the movie, for some reason, didn't want to go that route. So But it tried to find something equally disturbing.
1: I don't know if, if he has a specific fear of her being raped or if it's if it's just a fear of like her like femininity crippling under the weight of her grief. And like that's what it is. Or if he has a difficult time like. Visually seeing her as a woman after this horrible tragedy to their mm. daughter, so he needs to distance himself from her like sexuality, and like those are really common reactions in grief. But I still don't like that it's clearly trying to evoke an image of sexual violence. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, yeah, the movie and it's
1: to... constant, and it's directed only at the woman. The movie, the movie it's and like it's just it's
3: the movie. It is, is such is, a
1: boring yeah. choice. It's such a boring, obvious choice that like – and I know this is no Straw Dogs. It's, it's no um, I Spit on Your Grave or Eden Lake. It's not gratuitous, but it is making the same intentional violence against women choices that we've seen so many times done more gratuitously that your mind gets to fill in the blanks for you. And I'm just, I'm tired of it. And I think it's the same reason people find that this movie links up to them in their mind to a clockwork orange. And we said the same Mm -hmm. thing. We said it gave the same kind of feeling. And then I looked it up and almost all of the reviews on IMDB talk about how it gave them the same feeling a clockwork orange did. And I, truly think that it is this specific feeling of violence against women There's well
2: guessing. and and the leader of that gang is like very similar oh, yeah. to yeah. like mm-hmm. his playful like just fucking like like gremlin or how do you call it like but like his his devil <laughs> is good Grem- yeah is good. but just like because he's not like interested necessarily in like being a it doesn't seem to be being a serial killer he's like a kind of weird force of chaotic psychotic nature that seems to be just sweeping the land and it's just like time to be sexually violent it's like okay there, i guess that's what we're doing
0: there's almost something freudian about all the mm. way that uh, like the the dreams play out especially when they're focused from the husband's perspective like the first loop is of course the longest because it's where they're setting up the premise of yep. it but like there's a there's a moment where like like she goes out to, uh, like to pee bad things happen to her uh, and they linger quite a bit on that. And when it flips to him and he gets his like comeuppance, it's it's degrading in a way that like emasculates him. Like even yep. the camera angles are pointed downwards from a taller character and it shrinks him. It makes him look like a scared boy. And he's like bloody and basically just in his, in his tidy whiteies. And there's a woman pointing a gun at his penis, yep. um, which is like visible. Uh, not visible, but it's like, it's you know, it's there. It's bulging.
1: You can see the mound in his tidy. legs. Yeah, ways. you can
0: see his junk. You can see his shit. And the movie spends a, a decent amount of time focused on him being this small emasculated figure. And then also, like, the gun pointed at his dick. And then they quite literally draw a, I'm going to say, a literal line between the two. Because mm-hmm. it looks like she's pointing down at him just to shoot him. The 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 circus man like touches the tip of the gun and he's like do 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 he kind of draws out like a bullet path then touches mm-hmm. his dick. There's like a clear I don't know man it's, I, I'm not uh, I'm not a, a student of Freud but there's there's something Freudian about the way that they treat sexuality in this. It's like really I'm I'm not gonna say animalistic. It's like primal. It's just like very simplistic and it lingers on the function of of sex versus the For him, it focuses on the function of sex versus the actual, like, societal implications like it does with her. Uh, It's really strange uh, and and unsettling. That's something that personally, like, yeah, like, I would love if there was a way to not have that be the focal point. But it seems seems very intentional, unfortunately.
1: And I mean, I'm, this is me just, like, off the cuff, but I'm assuming it has something to do with, like, intimacy in a marriage Mm -hmm. after the loss of a child. Yeah.
3: That feels but right. it's
1: it's focusing specifically on sexual intimacy and not like any other form of marital intimacy. Zero
0: percent, yeah. It's just sex. and it's
1: like like I feel like you could have done this in a different way that didn't rely on these two characters' genitals being like mutilated off camera,
3: mm-hmm.
1: or in the case of the wife, the one time with the dog, on camera. Yep. Ish. Look, I mean, and it's like, you can, can of course do
2: it another way, but I think what you're saying about the Freudian point, and it depends if you want a different work go for a different work. Right. But it's like, yeah. I think there is something to be said about this is their dreams. This is their unconscious. And it's, it's a little bit, once you know what's going on, it's like a little bit obvious what his is, but it's like, it's cowardice, impetus and emasculation. He feels he was unable to defend his daughter from death, unable to save her from her allergies. I mean, she'd survived, but like he had no power in this situation. Mm-hmm. And three years on, he feels like a complete, coward and and complete shit about his life and that's what his unconscious is telling him to the point of a psychotic break when he wakes that's up that's fair and it's like it's it's a little obvious once said but the movie i think hides it well enough that you feel very just like w- in a weird freudian space the whole time
0: yeah like i'm kind of unpacking it as we go like the larger yeah, yeah, and theme as was, am I. yeah. larger themes. i'm just obvious, i don't know but yeah Hers,
2: I think, is the saving grace because it's way more interesting. Her, even though it's not yeah. sure. Oh, shorter.
0: yeah, and it's so. And,
1: and so I think clearer. I'm just tired of sexual violence being used as as a as a as a plot device mm-hmm. or as a as a prop to make a film more interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not me saying that this wasn't an interesting film, but it, but it does feel yeah. like.
3: I think it's a great. The, point.
1: the intent was sort of a shock value to make this more in your face to an audience at a film festival. Yeah.
0: Note to aspiring directors, um, writers, screenplay writers, all that. Stop using sexual violence for shit. Like, if, if, like,
1: unless, just play unless you're
0: going to tell a story with about it or with it. Fucking don't do what you do. <laughs> don't do this movie thing.
1: Yeah, And I mean, it's like, it's not that there's no value in it. I just, I do think it's one of those tropes that's so played out. That it's it's hard to put it in a film that's trying to evoke sort of like surrealist newness mm-hmm. and then use something so tired. Yeah. Um and also just like unpleasant. But that's more of a that's a personal bias, and I recognize that, but it is a tired trope mm-hmm. in in a film that is really truly trying to be like really evocative and new.
0: Do we have anything else that we want to to, to hammer home with this movie? No. I feel like uh, I feel like we we probably unpacked that box pretty well. We gave it probably a, about as much time as it needed, right? Like, it is very
2: short. I think so. Yeah, I think I think it's a movie that's interesting. That like, even though we like spoiled it, I I never felt like there's any point where it's it's a weird movie where it, there's no real twists. It's mm-hmm. more. I mean, there is the time loop, but well, not, not
0: even then, right? Like the 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 first scene of the movie, it it, it um when the man singing the song, right? It repeats like. Mm four times or something like that um in a very obvious way i i think you're right though i don't think there's anything to spoil i think it's just it's it's it is the experience of it i, I hate being that guy but it is experiential this thing
2: mm-hmm. yeah yeah so you can find us on twitter at fans lab pod and on most other social media besides facebook you'll just have to look us up because we have different names for each of them and yeah We loved having you and we'd love to hear from you about which movies you'd like to for us to see or just anything you'd want to
3: engage with us on on any social media. Thanks for listening.
1: Bye.